When I Open podcast may feature language, mature themes, and violence. This is your trigger warning. Hello, you are listening to When I Open, a true crime podcast where I talk about crimes ranging from urban legends to serial killers and how they are portrayed in the media. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Tate's Guide to the Perfect Crime. Hello and welcome to When I Open, or welcome back to When I Open if you are one of my regular listeners. So, I'm Tate and I'm your host, and today is kind of a crazy day because I'm officially a senior in high school, which means that it is summer, which means I'm going to try to record as much as I can because I do have a job outside of this, but we are going to try the best we can in this these trying times. So, as you will know from my last episode, I announced that I'm doing sort of an LGBTQ-themed episode arc this June, and today I'm going to be talking about one of the things that, like, I'm kind of passionate about, which is the LGBTQ representation in crime shows, and how it's, like, been portrayed, and how it's portrayed now, and... Um, this will include a talk about Rizzolian Isles, so if you haven't watched that, that's going to be a spoiler alert. And also spoilers about NCIS, Law and Order SVU, Law and Order Organized Crime, and Bones. Sorry, I'm trying to remember all of the ones I'm going to be talking about. Um, yeah, pretty sure that's all of them. So that's just a major spoiler alert for those shows. Just in case anybody was wondering what I'm going to be talking about. And we're also going to be talking about um, the queer baiting in the crime show community. And also just some positive representation because they there is positive representation as well in all of these shows. And also um, I'm going to be doing another Instagram live I think in sometime in July. Maybe... I haven't decided yet. Someday in July, I'm going to do an Instagram Live for 500 plays. But, again, thank you so much for the recent support. Um, you can, if you want to support, sorry, if you want to support even more, you can, um, you can follow and listen to all the episodes. And uh, you can also please leave reviews on Apple Podcasts because that helps a lot. I know that a couple of you have already done that. But if you haven't, please go leave a positive review. And now let's get into it. So now I'm going to be talking about the TV show Rizzolian Isles. And so I'm just going to like explain sort of what the show is about just from Google. Perhaps their strikingly different personalities make the relationship between Detective Jane Rizzoli and medical examiner Maura Isles so effective. Jane, the only female cop in Boston's homicide division, is tough, relentless, and rarely lets her guard down. While the impeccably dressed Mora displays sometimes icy temperate, she is, after all, more comfortable amongst the dead than the living. Together, the best friends have forged a quirky and supportive relationship. They drop the protective shields in each other's company and combine their expertise to solve Boston's most complex cases. Why does it say that they have a quirky friendship? That is a rainbow flag. That is a rainbow flag. Anyway, so... (laughs) I'm going to be talking about the relationship 
between um between Jane and um between Jane and Mora because they do have a um because they do have a very interesting relationship and I say relationship because you I do believe that they were sort of supposed to be together they were best friends for like a million years by a million I mean like seven they they were always super supportive of each other and even in the first in like one of the first episodes um there's just after a case Jane goes to lay down in her bed and Maura comes with her and as Jane is laying down um on the bed Maura like lays next to her and Jane says um is this um are you trying to comfort me or is this what you're saying this is oh my gosh sorry I'm recording this really early and apparently I can't talk let me try this again then after Maura lays down next to Jane um Jane says is this your way of comforting me or is this your way of saying that you're attracted to me and Moira just kind of, like, laughs it off, but, like, that's in, like, the first episode. So, they're really, like, here is a ship that is never going to happen. Have fun with that. And so, <laughs> I do say like they never get together within the entire series. Like, never. But, that is also one of the things. And in one of the episodes, I believe that it is called I Kissed a Girl. Which is just, like, I know it was, like, the 2000s, maybe 2010, I don't know, the show's kind of old, um, I was, like, what, like, kind of person titles them said I kissed a girl and none of the main characters kiss a girl, but, um, basically that episode is about a lesbian who is found murdered and turns out that her wife's her wife's girlfriend her wife's secret girlfriend kills her which is just a whole other rant that i don't feel like getting into but basically the detectives the other detectives in jane's squad which are two straight men decide to have jane set up an online dating profile on like a on a on a les on a, on a gay dating app thingy and and Mora is helping them, which is just really, really funny to me. But um, Jane obviously does not really consent that much to this, which I was like, seriously. And um, like one of the guys was like, "Oh, this kind of hot." I was like, "Oh my god, seriously? How old are you? Or are you a teenage boy? Because you sound like one, even though he's in like his I don't know, sixties. Just kidding, he's like fifty. I don't know." And so, basically, Jane does go, like, Jane does go undercover as a lesbian, I guess, and goes to this bar, and, um, Mora helps her, and, like, Jane and Mora are, like, getting ready to, like, have Mora go undercover for the first time, because she's, she, first of all, she's a medical examiner. In my many years of watching crime shows i have never seen a i've never seen medical examiner go undercover like 
Never in my entire life. Like, did they seriously? They seriously had no other female cops who could go undercover as a lesbian bartender. That they were like, what's the other female in our district? Oh, yeah, that's Mora. She could go be a bartender with a murderer. Like, that's a good idea. She's not. Is she trained? No. But let's have her go undercover. And so, basically, Jane goes on it. Jane actually kind of looks like the <laughs> Jane actually kind of looks like the victim, which is first of all a little creepy. Second of all, they kind of had that had that kind of advantage, and so they have Jane go undercover, um, as a lesbian. It doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> and so they're like trying to get her to go, and she just decides to go, and so. She's on a date with a couple girls. You see, like, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like speed dating. But it just looks really, really awkward and really funny. Um, unfortunately, the show, the show was on Hulu. But I checked it recently when I was trying to watch <laughs> a different show that I'm going to be talking about today. Um, and they didn't have, they didn't have it anymore. So, HBO, not HBO. Hulu, if you're listening, can you please put Rizzoli and Isles back on? Because otherwise, I am forced to use, you know, illegal websites and YouTube, which isn't very effective. But, anyway, that's a different rant. So, basically, as Jane is on a date, Mora comes over to give her, like, drinks, and Jane gets literally distracted by Mora's boobs. I wish I was joking. I am not. But I think that was one of the moments where I was like, ship. I ship. Um, and so, I will say, Mora and Jane have been in relationships with men. But none of them work out. Like, none of them. And whenever, whenever Mora is kissed by a man, she either rejects him or he's a serial killer. Okay, I'm not joking. One of Mora's ex-boyfriends was literally the serial killer that they were checking down. Tracking down. Hi, Eddie Caribbean. That's not how you say his last name. Um, and so... Yeah, Mora's track record with men is, like, not very good. Because, as I said, the men in the show, the, the women either reject them or the men become serial killers. And so... And so then, um, Jane does have a relationship with the man, uh, Casey, and, like, their relationship isn't that bad, like, I, I kind of liked, I, I, <laughs> admittedly, I did think that they were pretty cute together, but, like, my brain was always, like, Mora and Jane. Mora and Jane would be so cute together. Um, and crime shows, sometimes, they, sometimes TV shows do this, where, like, they pair up two characters so much, or they have them work in the same field so much, to the point where you're like, oh my god, it just date already. I'm looking at you, Rollins and Crazy. Um, and so that was another thing with Moore's character, is that like they'd always try to have her paired up with this random dude. Like, I think his name was like Kent or something, or like Ken, maybe, in the same field that Mara was working in. And like the writers were really trying to force this relationship and it was it was really funny to watch because like obviously it wasn't gonna work out 
and like Mora even rejects him. She's like, ha ha ha, we can't do this, no. Um, and so, and then in another moment, um, back to Jane, her and Casey don't work out, but she does get pregnant, and she unfortunately suffers a miscarriage due to a car crash. Again, I said that there was going to be a spoiler alert, but unfortunately she does, she does pass away. Not, not Jane, the baby passes away, sorry, that was misinformation. Um, so... Before the miscarriage, when Jane finds out that she's pregnant, she doesn't want to tell too many of the guys in her, um, in her squad, and so she tells Mora, and Jane says, like, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this without, without Casey, I don't have anyone, and Mora says, I will help you raise this baby, which is, like, really sweet, and it could have turned into, like, a full house situation, but, like, Unfortunately, it did, well, not unfortunately, it did not, um, and also, um, Mora does move in, or Mora does allow Jane's mom to move in which, with her, which is, like, just really sweet and everything, um, and so another, another thing that happened, um, one of the characters, um, Frost, passes away, although in real life, his, um, actor who, I'm sorry, whose name is escaping me at this moment, um, unfortunately also passed away, um, due to suicide, um, it was also revealed that he had a crush on Jane, which I also kind of saw, but again, I always kind of shipped her and Wara, and so, at the end of the series, um, the end of the series, they, they sort of have, um, like, the end up, the, the wrap-up of Jane and Mora's relationship is that they are both going to Paris, um, so then I think Jane can join a task force, if I'm not mistaken, again, don't at me, don't email me, don't DM me, um, and so then Jane, so then Mora can work on her book, and it's just, like, really sweet that they're still friends after all these years, and so, I don't think the showrunners have confirmed that they were supposed to be in a relationship, but it got to a point in the show where some of the fans started being, like, like, I, I didn't, I didn't ship them at first, I, like, had to watch the entire show, then I was like, oh, how were they not together? Like, I know that there's still a lot of, their champagne was, first of all, Rizzles, which sounds like an off-brand Skittles. Um, but first of all, I would totally have off-brand Skittles, but, um, it was just a really, it, it was, it was a relationship that could have been, but wasn't, and I'm honestly kind of still upset, like, I've read, there are also books by Tess, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but Rizzolian Isles is based off of a book series, which I own, like, half of the books because I'm a nerd about this, and as one who has read the books, I can confirm that they do kind of have a interestingly close relationship in the books as well. But again, it's totally different from the series. And it was just a really cute pairing that I wish could have been, and they sort of... I'm also going to be talking about queer baiting, but that's going to be in different shows. Um, they totally queer baited us from the very start. But again, it was a really good series, and if you haven't watched it, you should go watch it now on either YouTube or 
I don't know if people have HBO Max. I don't have HBO Max, but maybe it's on there. Maybe it's on Amazon Prime for some kind of ridiculous money. But that is going to that is my small Rosalian Isles rant. And so next, I'm going to be talking about something that I am. People are either going to say, "Oh, I didn't realize that," or you're overthinking this. Although I'm not overthinking this. I'm now going to be talking about Law and Order SVU, and um, you know some of the slurs that were said and sort of how they've handled um, LGBTQ representation over the years. All right, so as I mentioned before, another one of the crime shows that I'm going to be talking about is Law and Order SVU and their use of slurs throughout the series and their character LGBTQ character representation. So. Right off the bat, in some of the earlier seasons, Law and Order does have, or Law and Order SVU does have some slurs, including the T slur and the F slur, both of which I am not going to say on my podcast because I do not want to get canceled. And if you want to know, you can look them up, but I'm not going to say them. Um, this is mostly this is mostly spoken by the detectives who are straight and cisgender, um, who say these to, um, for example, if they're talking about a gay guy, um, gay man, they will refer to him as the F-slur, and other people, not only the detectives, will say these F- will say these slurs, like, in acknowledgement to, they do, they, they do cover, um, transgender hate crimes as well as gay hate crimes, but... Um, one of the detectives, Stabler, now, I'm not going to, I'm, this, he said a lot of really bad things about transgender people. Again, this is not the actor, this is the character. And I guess it was a different time. Again, I, I wasn't around when the earlier episodes of SVU were out, but just one of the things that I've noticed as I'm, like, rewatching, I, um, I listen to this other podcast, um, SVU, especially Heinous. They're they're really good. Um, check them out. They cover all the, they basically cover all the episodes of Foreign Order SVU starting from the front. So I started rewatching it from the beginning and noticed how many times I heard the F slur or the T slur, and so they have gotten better over the years and more recent, um, more recent times. But still, it would be said a lot by the detectives. And also by people associated with either the victims or the suspects. And so, um, don't, I just, this is just a, don't, don't say those slurs if they're not yours. Don't use them against people, um, guys in my grade. Got, sorry, guys in my school. Um, and like, don't make like no homo jokes if you're straight. It just makes everybody around you uncomfortable. And if you do make those jokes, do not say them. And you just shouldn't be saying them. It's not your place to say. And it's also extremely inappropriate. And it doesn't make members of the community feel welcomed. Because you can't say that, like, oh, yeah, I'm... Like, um, if you identify as gay and you're cis, you can't say the Tasteler because that's not yours to reclaim and so 
Some of the other things that I've noticed Law and Order SVU do is they didn't have many gay characters. Um, they did have they did have um, uh, Dr. Wong, who was a um, psychiatrist who was gay, but he's no longer in the show. And that was like back in like the like I mentioned him to a friend of mine who just like who watches the show, and he was like. I have no idea who you're talking about. Then I showed the picture, and he was like, oh, that's one of the older dudes. But he was one of the LGBTQ characters there. And another one who is more recent, well, not really recent, but um, uh, Detective Finn Tutuola's son, Ken, is also gay. He has a partner and a child. And then, sorry, one of the main characters, um... you will most likely see now in like commercials and things is um Kat Tamine who I believe I believe is bisexual I think I think she I believe she's yeah she's bisexual which is really big from a, a show that um like we have a, first we have a show that used to say slurs now we have a show that's like well we have a bisexual character now like now we're now we're hip with the times but um i do notice svu is getting a little bit better but i just wanted to acknowledge the fact that they did indeed say homophobic and transphobic slurs in a homophobic and transphobic way i know that there's like a lot of like context to these things but they were mostly saying them in not good in ways that they shouldn't have been said and I feel like the way that, um, especially now, more modern times, the way that people handle hate crimes, especially in, like, in TV shows, is getting, like, a little bit better. But in real life, um, it's honestly not. Um, I'm going to be talking uh, next week. I'm actually going to be on vacation, but I'm still releasing an episode I'm going to record right after this, or later tonight, um, about Tony McDade. About he was literally misgendered by the police because, you know, they didn't. <sighs> Just ridiculous. But another thing that uh, <laughs> that my friend told me to cover in this episode, um, you know who you are. Um, they told me to talk about um, Olivia Benson because <laughs> there are a lot of theories that her and I think it was... Um, I think it was Cabot, um, that her and, um, her and, I think, yeah, yeah, I think it was Cabot, um, were, like, a thing, but they couldn't actually say anything because they weren't allowed to portray gay relationships, um, and so my friend just wanted to point that out because that's a little bit of queer baiting, which ironically is my next topic but another thing I also just want to say that I did I I did (laughs) there are people also who um thought that Rollins and Benson would have been a cute couple I totally agree with them but also I'm a sucker for Rollins and Carisi um that finale (sighs) made me almost cry if you know what I mean um but Yeah.
that's one of the things that I also wanted to talk about was a lot of people are speculating that Olivia Benson might have been bisexual or they also might have just been queer baiting her, which I kind of agree with. But, yeah, now, um, I don't think Kat actually has a partner that's been introduced to us on screen. Again, she doesn't need anyone. She's, like, literally one of my favorite characters. But it is kind of nice that, um, now that now bisexuals do have representation a little more, and, um, also, uh, gay men POC have representation from, uh, Tutuola's son, who now ha- who has a husband and even has a little baby whose name I do not remember. But, yeah, now we can kind of, I can kind of go back into talking about some queer baiting within Criminal Minds, because I totally forgot to announce that I was also going to show spoilers for Criminal Minds. If you know me, you know exactly what this conversation is going to be about. We are now going to be talking about the, um, the queer baiting in Criminal Minds. That is the relationship between JJ and Emily Prentice, a.k.a. Gemily. Because that has been queer baited for us since the beginning of time. Um, <laughs> there are so many instances that I could talk about, and this in itself could be an entire podcast just about Gemily. De- un- uncovering Gemily? Nope, that doesn't sound right. That sounds like a fan fiction. So. <laughs> So basically, um, people have been speculating that Emily Prentice is a lesbian. She actually was supposed to be a lesbian, but um, CBS was like, no, we're going to have her have a random boyfriend in the middle of the end of the series. But <laughs> that's just one of the other things that like a lot of these shows will say, like like after the show ended, the, the, creators, the creators will be like, Oh, yeah, they were supposed to do that. Like, it's totally... Sorry. Like, yeah, yeah, they were supposed to be gay, but we couldn't do that because of, you know, contracts and stuff, which is really ridiculous. Uh, CBS created us all. But, um, but, uh, Thomas Gibson, Hutch, Hutch, wow, no, Hutch, Hutch himself did say that he did ship Gemily, which is a win. I personally, I'm not, I hope I can get canceled for this, but I'm not a huge fan of Hutch. Hotch. Apparently, I can't say his name correctly. I'm just not a huge fan of him. Um, but yeah, the Gemily was definitely bitterest from the start. Um, they even had a scene where JJ got like kidnapped, I want to say. And, um, she didn't, usually when these characters, like, pass out or have, like, I don't know, it's got a moment, they, like, think about, like, their partners and their family, like, their husbands or, like, their wives and their families. Sorry, my cat's trying to get out, um, (laughs) of my room. Uh, JJ thought about Emily. And that also happened vice versa in another episode that I cannot remember because I haven't I just don't remember. Um, there has also been moments in actually talked about. I actually talked about um, the tall man in one of my first in my first episode, the Slender Man. You should go check that out if you haven't listened to it yet. 
um, where I talk about how um, when JJ was confronting a, a traumatic moment from her past, that Emily really helped her, which was really nice. So, yeah, if you do watch Criminal Minds, don't know exactly what I just talked about, which is mostly just me saying, yes, we got queer baited bad. But um, another thing that I wanted to talk about is some NCIS things. So the one thing that I wanted to mention about NCIS, or a couple of things, is first of all, um, so back then, I think in season like, I don't know, before the teens, um, they had a character named Ned Dornigan who um, was killed off and he didn't find his gay. And he's like the only confirmed gay character in, in NCIS that had a plot line. Sure, they've covered LGBTQ deaths, but they never had a character that was like really relevant to the entire series that identified as gay. But more recently, there's a character played by Diana Reasonover, who is an actress on NCIS, and she plays um, Casey Hines, who... Um, Diana Reasonover is, um, identifies as lesbian. Um, I'm not sure who, what her character identifies as, mostly because I can't really exactly just ask her. But, um, <laughs> I was really hoping that her and Ellie would have, like, a little, maybe a little love, maybe a little romantic tension. I don't know, I always thought that I kind of, kind of shipped them. But... Yeah, NCIS never really had any, like, solid LGBT representation in the show, and I would love for them to start doing more representation like that, because in this day and age, we really need it. And speaking of representation, I am now going to be talking about a whole bunch of characters from different crime shows who, um, who do identify as LGBTQ, um, and who... Some maybe some of them were killed off. Um, we will see which ones that I can get to, but yeah, that's gonna be next. So let's go into talking about LGBTQ characters that are in current crime shows. Um, first off, I like to say um, that the um, the actress who plays um, Jet Sloot in Law and Order. Um, Organized crime, uh, they use all pronouns, so I'm thinking maybe Sloot might have a plotline like that. But also in the show, we have uh, we have uh, Stabler's like new, I think his new boss. Um, she is a black woman and she has a wife, and they are expecting a baby on the way, and it's absolutely adorable. And I ship them so much. And I swear if SVU... Or, sorry. I'm so used to saying, like, I swear if SVU messes this up. Um, I swear if organized crime messes this up, I will riot. And there's another uh, show called Bones that happened a while ago. Where one of the characters, um, Angela... I don't remember the... Um, I don't remember the actual, like, character... The, the actress's name. Um... But she identified as bisexual, except it was mentioned once in the show, because her ex-girlfriend was a suspect, and then it was just never mentioned again. Like, my friend and I were going over my notes, because I wanted to make sure everything was right, because they're, like, a really big, um, organized crime fan, and 
they were like, oh my gosh, I didn't know Angela was bisexual. I was like, they were meant, they mentioned it in a single episode, and that was it. Like, nothing. But, again, I feel like the representation is getting a little bit better, like, especially in TV shows in general. <coughs> CW. <coughs> but, still, there's a lot more to improve on. Um, another character that's not really... Not really like um, I don't know. I guess this. I'm counting this as a crime show. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Actually, no, it's not a crime show. I was gonna talk about how to get away with murder, but that's technically not a crime show. Um, but they did have a gay main, main character whose name I do not remember, and also um the main character, on the main character woman, the lead, uh, was I believe she was bisexual. And so she had a couple of relationships with women, with it, with women between the shows, um, running series, and they also, um, again in Law and Order, SVU, we now have Cat who identifies as bisexual, um, and we also had, um, we also had, uh, Finn's son who identifies as gay with his husband and his son. So, yeah, those are. Those are the characters that I wanted to mainly um, talk about today. And, yeah. Um, here's the other show that I wanted to... <gasps> Sorry, this is going to sound really... This isn't going to sound choppy. This is going to flow fine. Um, another show that I wanted to talk about was actually Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Because um, after the show came out, like, a couple of years after, um, they had... Uh, they had, um, they, it was confirmed that Velma was a lesbian, and that she was in a relationship with Marcy, aka Hot Dog Water, from the show, and so I actually, I actually did my, um, my college, um, application essay on, S on, um, <laughs> Law and Order SVU, God, no, um, <laughs> that would have been funny, though, well, not really funny, would have been good choice. Um, on Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated and about how they sort of, um, back then they challenged a lot of, um, a lot of gender stereotypes. They had, like, Scooby and Shaggy dress up in, like, girly clothes and things like that. And also, all of the Hex girls were gay. Don't at me. Um, <laughs> so, that's another show I wanted to quick mention. And it's, I know it's not technically a crime show, but since after the fact it's been confirmed that Velma was a lesbian, and also, she was totally in a relationship with Daphne half of the season, cannot prove me wrong, why is there construction, sorry, um, <laughs> I can hear the construction down my street, I had to, like, split this recording between, like, 8 o'clock in the morning, and now when I'm recording this is, like, 3, because people in my street are taking down a tree, and I, it's, I hope it doesn't get picked up. Because this mic is really strong. <laughs> but, yeah. So we've now hit the end of the episode. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. And, yeah, this is a super cool series. I'm definitely going to continue this. And I'm probably going to do, like, an update. I'm probably going to end up doing an update on Casey's, um, on Casey's identity. Maybe if it gets touched on, um... By either Diana Reasonover or by, like, a creator or anybody like that. Um, 
So, yeah, thank you. Again, thank you so much for listening. Um, the next couple episodes are going to be more about more specific cases. Um, for example, uh, Tony McDade, and I'm also going to be covering Matthew Shepard. And so, I know Matthew Shepard's case has been spread a lot, but I just would like to talk about it from my own perspective. Um, so, I'm not going to add any, I don't, (laughs) I guess I'm gonna do links to each of the shows, like, Wikipedia's and my sources. I haven't figured out what I'm going to even do for sources, because I didn't, this was just personal knowledge of the shows, which I'm now looking back, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm totally coming off as an SVU nerd, but... Yeah, again, thank you so much for listening. I'm so, so thank you so much for watching. I am not starting a YouTube channel. So I got some pretty exciting stuff um, coming up in a couple weeks. Nope, that's in August. A couple months. Um, nope, that's... Ugh. I keep on forgetting that the month July exists for some reason. I don't know if it's just because I'm excited for my 18th birthday in August, but like... I'm like, yeah, I turn 18 in a month. No, you have a whole other month to wait. Um, I also start my, um, I also start work, start actual work in a couple weeks, so I'm gonna try to record as much as I can after work and stuff like that. But um, if you'd like to follow for more, you can follow me at whenIopen.pod on Twitter, um, whenIopen.podcast on Instagram, and whenIopenPod on TikTok. I know a lot of you listeners. Um, come from TikTok, so thank you for getting me, like, almost 100 followers, um, and I just like to give a shout out, I can actually, um, by the way that the podcast thingy works, I can see where, like, most of my listeners are from, it's terrifying, I know, but a lot of people listen out in California and Minnesota, so I just wanted to give a little shout out to both of the states and the people who listen, thank you so much for supporting me, and also, you know, Pennsylvania is most of it, but, um, (laughs) but Minnesota and California, you guys are, like, really good about it. Um, I'm also just gonna plug my, um, email just in the description, because my email is really kind of, is kind of confusing, because the one in when I open podcast at gmail.com is, like, the number one, like, just, like, the line one, so, you check the description where I'm going to just, I always post my contact information down there in case you have any case requests, um, or, like, want to collaborate or anything like that. And as always, remember to sleep with one eye open.